And in uh, Romans 15, verse 4, it says, For whatever was written in earlier times, now he's talking about the Old Testament, and this is Paul speaking in Romans. He says, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. Look at this. So that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. And so again, the scriptures aren't just a book of rules. The scriptures aren't just a guideline that we have to follow and we have to do this and we have to do that and we have to do all these things to please God. But also the scripture is full of encouragement. And that's why we study the word of God. Again, we don't study the word of God so that we can be people that are know-it-alls. We don't study the word of God so that we can look like we're wise and that we, we have all this knowledge and all this understanding. We study the word of God so that God will speak to us. Like a lot of people are like, well, how does God speak to us? You know, it's like people are like, I've never heard God's voice. I've never heard God speak to me and say, do this or do that or don't do this, don't do that. But God speaks to us through in his word. And so when, when we talk about like getting in the word of God and studying the word of God, it's so that, that God can speak to us. And it's so that when we need encouragement, there's tons of encouragement in the word of God. There is everything, just like it talks about in Second Peter, there's everything in the word of God pertaining to life and godliness. Essentially, everything that we are going through, everything that we are experiencing, if we need strength, we find we study up the word of God and we look for scriptures talking about how God will strengthen us. It's just like he was talking about last night in Romans 10, 17. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if we lack faith, and really, just, just like he was saying, all of our issues come down to a lack of faith because we don't believe. We might believe, well, and the, the, that's the thing, is that most of us believe that God can do it, Right? We believe that God can do anything. God can, God can heal the sick. He can heal the blind. He can heal the lame. He can raise the dead even. He can, do, he can do miracles in people's lives, but he doesn't really care to do that in my life. Right? And the thing is, is again, that shows just the lack of faith. And, but the, and the question is, well, how do we get faith? We get faith. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So whatever we're dealing with, whatever, if we're de dealing with discouragement, you, you know, we can go through and we can look up scriptures that talk about how God encourages us and how God strengthens us and how God is there when we need that, that strength and stuff. And, and there are scriptures that will encourage us. Um, if we're, if we're walking in fear, there are scriptures that talk about how God will, um, make you bold as a lion, how God will strengthen you and, and, and make you strong and, and, and brave and things like that. So again, we study the scripture, not so that we can be smarter than the other person, or we can look like we're smarter than the other person, or even that we can war with each other on doctrines. Well, my doctrine says this. Well, your doctrine says that. Well, my doctrine is better than your doctrine. It's not about that at all. And that's what we in the church a lot of times make it about. But the scriptures are there to, to, to strengthen us. It's all about the relationship thing. Um, in every relationship, it comes through communication. Every relationship, you cannot know somebody if you are not communicating with them. Um, you cannot know somebody if there's not some kind of, how, who is this person and what are they about? And that person wants to know me and what I'm about. And that's what God's word is for. 
And so again, that's why we get into the Word of God. We get into the Word of God so that we can know what God is truly like. Because all throughout the world, people tell you what God's like, right? Mm -hmm. Well, God's just this person who, you know, needs people to praise him, or he's someone that wants to control everybody, or he's someone that's a master puppeteer and just wants to put everything, everybody on strings and, and control everybody's lives. Well, is that true? Right? Mm -hmm. That's actually the opposite of truth. Mm -hmm. Right. I follow some of you saying that. Like he, because I was telling my friend the other day, it's like he refuses to force you to love him. Mm. Exactly. Like the forced love is right, pretty much. So yeah. God refuses to force your love. He will draw you and he'll try to win you and he'll woo you and he'll do lots and lots of nice things for you. And, you know, yeah, the devil's out there trying to kill you and the devil's trying to blame everything bad that happens on God. Mm -hmm. But God refuses to step in and force you to love him. So it's kind of the opposite of being a puppeteer. He mm. created you and he wants that love that comes naturally. Mm -hmm. right. mm -hmm. It's good. I like how you compared it to, to rape, like forced love. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing, but but that's the world. And and you look at the world and you're like, well, why doesn't everybody know God? Why doesn't everybody love God? Why doesn't everybody want to know God? And again, it's because of all these false ideas that have been fed for, to us, way. like you say, by Satan. Because Satan disseminates all this half-truths and lies and, and, and sometimes you can take a truth and distort it and, and then it becomes a lie and things. And so the reason why the world doesn't know God, the reason why the world doesn't want to know God is, again, because they have these false ideas in their minds. So, again, we come to the Word of God to renew our minds. Mm. Because before, like, I, I, was, I was an unbeliever for, like, 27 years of my life. Mm -hmm. So when I came to the Lord, I had 27 years of garbage in my mind that I had to wash and to renew and to cleanse and to begin to think, Different. The way that God says he is yeah. and the way that God truly is. And so, again, when we talk about getting into the word and studying the word, this is the purpose so that we can renew our minds. And when we do get into the word, just like you say, we see God as he truly is. We see that God is not just this harsh God that needs to be obeyed, that is this weak person that that uh, is like, oh, oh my gosh, what are they going to do now, you know, and stuff. And he's just filled with fear and insecurities and stuff. God is not that way at all. God created the world, and then he says to man, okay, you go and live the way you're going to live. You have free will. You have the choice to whether you're going to serve me, whether you're going to follow me, or whether you're going to follow yourself. And so as a part of that, again, the Bible is filled with, with many different things. And that's the thing about God. God is multifaceted. God is not just this one way. God is not just this angry God. God is not just this loving God. God is not just this merciful God. God is not just this, this forgiving God. God is all of that. There are times when God is unforgiving. There's times when God is unmerciful. There's times when God is merciful. God is all these things. And we, we try to put him in these boxes and say, this is what God is. And he's not, he, you know, he, we put him in these boxes and say he can't be anything other than this. God is all of those things. And so, as again, when we get into the word, we begin to see him as he truly is. And then he becomes, it, it's just like, again, when you get to know a person, when you see them, when you, when you see a person at a distance and you don't know them, all they are is this one-dimensional thing, right? 
You don't really know them. All you know is what you see with your eyes and stuff. But then when you begin, when you uh, get into relationship with them, then you begin to truly know them. You begin to know, understand why they do the things that they do. You begin to understand that, well, I thought this person was this way, but now I realize that that's not the case. Okay? So... Again, God wants to encourage us, and the scriptures are there to encourage us. So whenever we're, we're experiencing bad things, whenever we're experiencing hardships, we can go to the Word of God and, and get in, encouragement. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And all your T's in the New Testament run together. you got Thessalonians, you got Timothy, and then you got Titus. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. He says, therefore, this is again Paul speaking, he says, therefore encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. You see that? Part of the purpose of the church, part of the... Uh, the reason that God puts believers in fellowship with each other is to encourage each other. It's been said about the church that the church is the only army on the earth, on the on the planet that buries its wounded and stuff. And and a lot of times, I think we've all experienced that can be true. Sometimes, sometimes we believers, instead of lifting up a weak brother, instead of lifting up someone that's fallen, instead of encouraging someone that needs to be encouraged, we kind of kick them when they're down and stuff. And the Bible. The reason why the Holy Spirit encourages us when we're down is so that there's going to come a time when we're up. And so the Holy Spirit wants, or God wants us to take that same encouragement that he gave us and encourage other people. And so the body of Christ should be this group of people that is all encouraging each other to live stronger, to live more godly, to live more to, to the calling that God has called us for, right? We're not to, God doesn't put us in fellowship with each other to tear each other down. God doesn't put us in fellowship with each other to judge each other and say, look at this person. Look how weak they are. Look at their faults. Look at their weaknesses. Look at all these bad things about them. He puts us in fellowship with each other so we can say, hey, what can I do to help you? What can I do to strengthen you? What can I do to encourage you, Right? And if somebody's truly seeking God, if someone truly wants to follow God, they will accept that help from you, right? It's only the people that are just there for the show or it's the people that are just there for the whatever that they don't want to receive that encouragement. Turn to one more place in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews is just to the right. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. He says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, and that's kind of talking about like that, that video that Amy had on before, about how they were talking about the Old, tech, uh, Old Testament tabernacle and stuff, mm -hmm. and how only the high priest could enter in there once a year and he, he would come with the blood because basically in order for sins to be forgiven, there had to be a sacrifice. There had to be blood shed for it. And whenever that happened, it actually didn't, 
it couldn't, no, none of those, over and over in the Old Testament, millions of sacrifices were made for people's sins. But the problem with that is, is those, the sacrifices of bulls and goats and lambs and all that couldn't take away sins. All they did was basically kind of cover over it. Does that make sense? When Jesus came and died, Jesus was the perfect human being. Jesus never sinned in his life. And the reason why, what, what is sin? Sin is going against the will of God, right? Never one time did Jesus go against the will of God. And yet he died on the cross to shed his blood in order that for the first time in history, somebody that was pure and innocent died for sin, right? In the first place, death was the penalty for sin. There was no death in the world until Adam and Eve sinned, okay? So Jesus died, and when he died, a perfect human being died. And so that meant that the penalties for sin had been paid for. Does that make sense? Okay, so, so what it's talking about here is that once and for all, when Jesus died on the cross, it made a way for you and I that we could come and we could come before the Lord and he could wash us in that blood and we could be completely forgiven of our sins. And we didn't have to walk around with the guilt of that sin anymore, but we could know that we were forgiven by God. And what happens is when you sin, it, it puts a barrier between us and God. And so when 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 Jesus died and he, he shed his blood for us, that meant that whenever we come to God with a sincere heart and we come to God and we say, Lord, I sinned against you, forgive me, wash me from my sins, change my heart, make me a new person, God can wash us from that sin and we can be clean in his sight and we don't have to carry that burden anymore, okay? So in verse 19, he says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, look at this in 20, verse 22, let us draw near. Draw near to who? Draw near to God, right? And so the whole thing about the people in the Old Testament is they could only get so close to God. But there was always kind of a hindrance. There was always kind of a barrier. There was always something that just kind of kept them from going all the way and stuff. And when Jesus came and died, he ripped the veil of the temple in two. And that gave us access, open access to, to God, to where anybody who has a sincere desire, anybody that has a pure heart, anybody that desires with all their heart to come into that relationship with God can now come into relationship with God and be a friend of God. And not just like someone that's religious, not just someone that goes to church, not just someone that dresses up in a suit and a tie and, and pays tithes and, and puts money in the offering and, and things like that, but someone that can truly have a relationship and hear his voice and know that God is telling me to do this or God is telling me not to do this and know and feel and understand and, and know the love that he has for us. And now it's not a theoretical thing. It's not something like, I wonder if God loves me or I wonder if there is a God out there. Now it's it's a no because you walk with him and you sense you sense his presence and you sense his relationship with him and you sense sometimes you'll do something and you can actually sense God smiling and you can sense that he's pleased with you and 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 so that veil that that separation is no longer there. 
It says in verse 22, And let us draw near to him with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Look at this in verse 24. And let us, the body of Christ, believers, brothers and sisters in the Lord, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Look at this in verse 25. Not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So this is the whole thing again about church. The whole thing about church is not, it's not this religious thing that I have to go do. It's not like, Man, it's Sunday, now i got to go to church, i got to go hang out with these religious people, i got to go do this religious... It's not that at all. Matter of fact, in some ways, church is not for me. I go to church for other people, mm. right? I go to church, and that's the problem, is a lot of people go to church to be fed, and, and basically we have these Christians that are 500 pounds in the spirit, and they never feed anybody else. Mm. That is the wrong concept. Mm. The thing about church is going is 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 to be fed so that we can feed other people right yeah. and, even, and, and, and even, again he's not encouraging us just to go to church to do religious things we are go to church and again church is not a building church is when two or more are gathered together in the name of the lord and so when we get together it's to encourage each other it's so that when when christy's weak she, her faith can encourage me or, 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 or if you're weak, my faith can encourage you. And all the things that we go through, all the things that we experience are so that we can encourage the weaker one. Because the thing about it is, is you are either going through a trial, you're coming out of a trial, or you're fixing to go through a trial. You're one of those three. Or all of the above. Or, uh, yeah, it can be all three of the same time. Yeah. You know, yeah. things can be good in one arena. Yeah, it, exactly, and stuff. And, uh, and again, we go through those things, and th those trials are allowed by God. Those trials are, uh, are there. I, I'm not saying that God puts us through those trials, but he allows us to go through those trials so that, again, it brings maturity to us. Because when we first get born again, when we first get saved, we are immature spiritually. And the whole purpose is that to, is to make us strong so that we can begin to lift other people up and we can begin to help them. Because this walk of Christianity is not easy. As a matter of fact, it's the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life. There have been so many times that we there have been so close to just quitting the whole thing. Matter of fact, there there have been times when essentially we did quit. We're like, we're just going to sit on the back of the pew. We're just going to go to church. We're going to pay our tithes and stuff, but we're not really going to get involved. Well, really, at that point, you've quit, mm -mm. right? Yeah. You're just a dead body in the, in the pews and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, but it's like as you go through those trials, and the thing is, is the Lord takes us from from uh, from glory to glory, as it says in His Word. He takes us as if. To put it in a, a video game type scenario is you have to defeat the boss before you go to the next level, right? And so, but the boss is there to strengthen you. The boss is there to make you a better person, to make you a stronger person, to make you a warrior so that when you come, so that you can defeat him and say, you know what, the next boss you see, I just kicked another boss's butt 
And so now I know that if if I keep pushing, if I keep hammering, I'm going to do the same one to this one. Because the the same God that gave me the power, that gave me the authority, that gave me the strength to overcome that is going to be there with me again. And he's going to be through me in every situation. And that is the purpose of our trials to know that God is with me in this. That I'm not by myself, that I'm not alone, that God didn't leave me as an orphan, that he didn't just say, be born again, now you're on your own, go do your thing. But he's there with me through every trial, and he's walking with me through every situation and saying, come on, get up, get up, get up, get up, go back in the battle, get back in the fight, get back in there. Because you're not just fighting for yourself, but you're fighting for somebody else also. Mm, That's good. And didn't David, like, slay the bears? He yeah. Did, he did, like, about, little things before he did the Goliath. When, when he faced Goliath, he said, The Lord was with me when I faced the, when the, when a lion came and took one of my lambs. I chased after the lamb, or I chased after the lion, and I brought back the lion. When a bear came and took one of the lambs, I went after that bear, took the bear, killed the bear, and brought the lion, the lamb back. And that's the thing. Again, God puts us through or allows us to go through trials to strengthen us, to make us stronger. Because of the world that we live in, there is an enemy. And he is out left and right destroying every single day people all around us. And I want to read James chapter 1 really quick. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect result that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Yeah, that's awesome. Turn to Matthew 7. My hero in the Bible, or in the New Testament, outside of Jesus, is Paul. I mean, because you look at some of the things that Paul suffered, how he's beaten five times without number, he was shipwrecked seven times, he was left for dead how many times and stuff. And like every time you see him, he's like rejoicing. Mm Mm-hmm. He's praising God. And I look at my life. I go to work and I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know? And, and I, I'm like, I'm like, oh. I like I have to pray to make it through another day. And it's like we're, we're, we're crying. We're, we're, we're stumbling over anthills in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. And he was going through tribulation. He was going through trials. He was going through things that would make our faith like crumble like Girl Scout cookies. Yeah. In Matthew 7, verse uh, 13. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. There are many who enter through it. So the way to destruction is easy, right? It's broad. Everybody can do that. It says in verse 14, For the gate is small and the way... Excuse me. The way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. So the way of light to life is small, and and it's like we're we're expecting God to do these huge things, and and you know God doesn't always do huge things. Sometimes God does small things, but He does them in a huge way <laughs> and stuff. And a lot of times, like even even when it comes to like mega churches and stuff, a lot of times I'm just kind of suspicious about the, the stuff like that because usually God doesn't. Do the popular thing. God usually doesn't do the flashy thing. God usually doesn't do the thing that where people go, ooh, look, look at that, at that's God. <laughs> God usually does the thing where this foolish person 
like the, the least likeliest person that you would ever expect to do anything, all of a sudden God is using that person and it's blowing everybody's minds. Yeah. And God is using people that, that, that may not have it all together, maybe living on the streets, maybe living out of a car or something, but they speak the word of God and it brings life and it shatters the darkness and it sets people free. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's how God works. Mm-hmm. And God is usually not where all the popular people are. Mm-hmm. Verse 15, he says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Look at this. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce uh, bad fruit, nor can a bad tree tree produce good fruit every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire so then you will know them by their fruits look at this in verse 21 not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but look at this but he who does not talks about not thinks about not says man it'd be a good thing if we did that but he who does the will of my father who is in heaven will enter Look at verse 22. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name? Look at all these things that people do. They prophesy in his name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles. He says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So again, uh, a lot of times all this, all this religious thing that looks big and huge and it looks like it's doing all these things for God doesn't necessarily mean that it is. God is in the place of humility. God is in the place of brokenness. God is in the place of laying down your life for somebody else and not trying to be seen by other people, not trying to be, you know, um, look at me, look at, look at what God's, that's what the Pharisees did, right? The Pharisees like had these long prayer robes and they, they wanted to be greeted in the marketplace, rabbi and father and all these greetings and stuff like that. And they wanted to be seen and known by men. They would make all these long prayers in public to be seen by men. And that's what a lot of religion does is to be seen by men, to be accepted by men. And God's not in that. God is in the straight and the narrow way where there are a few that go it, and there are not many. And, and again, a lot of our churches are so, they're there because the preacher is so charismatic and so popular, and it's like, ooh, look at this this person, this, you know, and, and people want to follow that person. But Paul said to his followers, imitate me only as I imitate Jesus. And so Paul wasn't attracting people to follow him personally. He was attracting people to follow Jesus through him. And he didn't care whether they loved him, whether they hated him, whether they praised him, whether they gave him money, whether they didn't give him money, whether they said, you're the greatest thing ever, whether they said, you're the stupidest thing ever. He didn't care about any of that. All he cared about was leading people to Jesus. Okay. Turn down there. So the point being is that the way is narrow. This 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 trail, this road of Christianity that we follow, is is not going to be popular. It's not going to be easy. 
And, and that's the thing. When we come to the Lord, we have to know from the beginning, this is not an easy way. And it's never going to be easy. And it's not going to be popular. And my friends aren't going to say, look at you. You're really cool now that you're following the Lord and you're not smoking dope with us. <laughs> They're going to go, you're an idiot. <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you this religious person now? Why are you doing all these weird things and going to church and doing all these weird stuff and you're not being cool like us anymore? And it's like Jesus is there mm -hmm. in the midst of all that. He is on the straight and narrow way. Where, and we look for him in all these places. You're not going to find him there. You're only going to find him in the narrow way. You're only going to find him in the path that's hard, the path that's difficult, the path that's thorny. Because we don't need a Savior when things are easy. We don't need a Savior when we got life is, you know, all of our bills are paid and everything. And that's the thing. Ever since we've been believers, I mean, it's like, it's like nothing goes right, you know. And it's like, you know, the sooner we can understand that, the better. Because, um... And I'm not saying that there's not periods when, when times when things are going great and things are going awesome and stuff. But one thing that we have noticed in our lives is that the closer we get to God, all hell breaks loose. And it's like friends are like falling out and it's like you're, the car is breaking, the bills aren't paid, the, the, everything's just going haywire and stuff. Like our kids are acting like idiots. Our, our dog bit me this morning and, you know, and it's just like everything's like, in the, it's because there's an enemy. And every time you start to follow God, you become an enemy of the enemy. And he wants to destroy you because you are glorifying God. The only thing the enemy hates in this world is the glorification of God because he wants to be glorified. He wants to sit and reign and rule over your heart. And so anytime you start glorifying God, he is going to come against that every single time. So we as believers have to realize it's going to happen and to be prepared for it to happen. <clears throat> because the problem is, is that we always ask, why me? Why is this happening to me? Why am I going through all this? Why is this so difficult? It's like, because you're on the trail. You're where you need to be. You're where you got, you're where God is. And instead of thinking, and, and the problem is, is again with our thinking, we're, we're like, we're, we're moaning and we're crying and we're feeling sorry for ourselves instead of like Paul rejoicing through our sufferings, rejoicing through our trials. And it's when we rejoice that we truly find the Lord because what does Scripture say? The, um, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so we, we're going through these tough situations and we're wondering why, why I got no strength. Why can't I stand? Why can't I face these things? Why am I so down and, and defeated and broken? It's because we're not tapping into the joy and the peace of the Lord. And that's the thing, too. It's like, uh, you know, as believers, it's not our job to seek joy, okay? A lot of us are seeking joy. I want to be happy. I want to be happy. And a lot of us come to the Lord because we're, 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 we're really unhappy in our lives, and our lives are broken, and our lives are a mess. And so we come to the Lord, and we're expecting Him to make us happy. Well, the Lord is not here necessarily to make us happy. He's here to make us holy. And there's a vast difference between the joy of the Lord and happiness. Happiness is an emotion. Happiness can be here and gone. Happiness goes with every wind that comes along. That, you know, it can be happy, it can be sad, it can be whatever. It's a, joy is something deep. Joy is something that lasts. Joy is something that's going to carry you beyond this storm into the next storm and through that storm and through the next one. Joy carries you. 
happiness, you carry happiness. You know, and the problem, and so the thing is, is we as believers are not to seek happiness. Happiness is, and that's what the world is all about, seeking happiness. How can you be happy? You know, how, how can I be happy in this world? How can I be happy in my life? How can I be happy? That's what the world seeks. You know, I do whatever it takes to make me happy. If I, if I want to, if smoking weed's going to make me happy, I'll smoke weed. Uh, if 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 um, if doing heroin's gonna make me happy, I'll do heroin. If chasing girls is gonna make me happy, I'll chase girls. If chasing drugs, whatever it is, we think that that's gonna make us happy. It doesn't make us happy, right? It may give you a few happy emotions and stuff, but it brings no lasting joy and no lasting peace. And that's the whole thing with addiction. You gotta take more and more and more because what I used to take doesn't satisfy, so now I need more. And that is the nature of sin. Sin starts out, you know, okay, this, this nice little sin and stuff, and whoa, it's, it's the best thing I've ever done and stuff. And pretty soon, it's taking more and more and more because the amount of sin that you used to do doesn't satisfy you like it used to. Now you need more and more and more. The joy of the Lord is different because that's something that will carry you always through every trial, through every situation. You may not be happy, but you'll have deep within your heart the joy and the peace and the presence of God. 